0: Well, we're continuing on a teaching uh, entitled Spirit, and in particular, three things about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that He is God, that He is Helper, and that He is Friend. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is God, and He is Helper, and He is Friend? Okay, about 11 of you. This is good. We'll get everybody caught up this morning. Let's go ahead, because we're five weeks into this now, it's kind of hard to go back and review uh, just by course, as we go, some things will get reviewed, uh, but we're going to pick up here in John chapter 14. Let me say this, that I'm going to be teaching this morning and we're going to have to be uh, kind of rapid fire because I don't, I don't feel uh, led that we break all of this up. So we're going to cover uh, a lot of material this morning, but you're going to come out of this thing smarter. Amen. You're going to walk into a restaurant or go home or whatever, and people are going to go, man, you look smart. You know, and uh it's gonna it's gonna be good. But we we find in Scripture that teaching waters the seed of the word. And so if there's really gonna be growth and, and good roots in our life, we've got to have the teaching to go with this as well. In John chapter fourteen, verse sixteen and seventeen, Jesus said, And I will pray, I will ask the Father, and he will give you so that's me. That's me. He will give you another note that word, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then in John chapter 16, verse seven, and I want to read this verse from the amplified Bible. The amplified Bible goes into the original language and meaning and amplifies that a little more. Uh, a great working translation. It says this, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth When I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you, that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, watch this, will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, Jesus said, if I go away, I will send him to you, watch this, to be in close fellowship with you. He's not just God. He's not just helper. He's friend and by friend, the best friend you could ever, ever have that he would be in close fellowship with you. I tell you all the time, you're never alone and you're never without help. And and how does that work? It's because you have the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the strengthener, the invocate, uh, the intercessor advocate, Standby. all of the things that he is, which in essence is whatever he needs to be to help you. He is. And he's not just far off. You don't have to go to a certain building to find him. You don't have to have a six-week application to get an appointment. He is in close fellowship with us as as we desire that in our life. And he comes up to take residence within us. Amen. Amen. I'm excited already. Well, he is God. He is helper. He is friend. I told you to note that word, another helper. Helper. Again, that is the Greek word, alos, which has the idea of exactly the same. Jesus was saying, when I leave, I'm your comforter. But when I leave, he's going to be exactly like I am. And he's going to come and do. And understand that the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not weird. Holy Spirit's not some strange variation on the Godhead. He's just like Jesus. And Jesus was saying he will do in my absence what I would do for you if I was physically present with you. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because he said, then the Holy Spirit can come and have that close friendship with you, close fellowship with you. Jesus said, it's better for you. And that was hard for them to understand. How could this be better that you, Jesus, leave us? But see, constantly we see as Jesus was teaching and ministering, preaching, teaching, healing, going around in the villages and towns, that they'd say, stay with us, stay with us. You know, don't leave us, Jesus said, I have to leave. I've I've got to continue to do this elsewhere. And so he couldn't stay with everybody. But guess what? The Holy Spirit can. I said the Holy Spirit can. And I like having close fellowship with him. He'll show you the way. He'll help you through things, help you figure things out. Here's a great benefit. He'll help you avoid a whole lot of things. Wish I'd, knew, wish I'd known, huh? Now, he is, as we've already said, comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, bless you. He is the breath of God. He's the spirit of Christ. He's the spirit of truth. And we need him in our lives. And God sent him to us. And Jesus referred to him as a good gift from the Father. And all of that said, Jesus says to us, Receive the Holy Spirit. Be open and receive the Holy Spirit. But the devil, the enemy of our soul, says, No, don't. Because the devil's afraid. I said, The devil's afraid. That the all-wise, eternal Spirit of God would take up residence. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead would live in these tabernacles, in these temples. Are you all with me this morning? Hey, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy mixed up world. But it's still a world where Jesus is risen from the dead. And it's a world where the Spirit of God lives inside of us. That's how we overcome. But the enemy is afraid of that. So he wants to hinder the work of God, the plans of God, the people of God. And so he does all kinds of dog and pony shows to get us messed up. That's his strategy is to get you messed up about the Holy Spirit. And let me assure you of something, any discomfort, any concern you've ever had about the Holy Spirit is not because of Scripture. It's because of people. Not because of Scripture, it's because of people. So what we've got to do is get all of this in the light of Scripture so that we can understand. And when we have an understanding, then it becomes power and truth to us once we understand this. And this is life-changing for us as individuals and as a church. Are you with me this morning? I've used the illustration of a gate. And everybody has a gate. How many of you know you have a gate? And that gate represents if you're open to something or if you're closed to something. And some of you all, for some things, got your gate open and you shouldn't. There's some things you need to shut the gate and get your hatchet, okay? (laughs) And some of you all got your gate a little open. And how many of you know some things you know to just open that gate up for? And some people to open up that gate. There's other folks, you see them coming, you go, oh, quick, close the gate lock her down. And see what we have concerning the Holy Spirit because of the enemy's strategy is to block our gate with rocks and weeds and debris so that we can't even get that gate open or we don't want to. And what we're trying to do is to get these things out of the way. What are the rocks? What are what are the weeds? What is the debris? What are those things? It's traditions and I'm not here to bash anybody's heritage or tradition, but, but how many of you know sometimes our traditions, what we've been raised in, can get in the way? Yes. Well, for the rest of you, it can get in the way. Jesus even said at one point, he says, you've made the word of God of no effect because of your tradition." Your tradition can get in the way of the light and the truth and the freedom that would come from Scripture. So if if your tradition, if your heritage runs crosswise with God's word, we have to take God's word as the authority to set us free. Okay? There have been teachings that maybe you've had. Maybe those teachings were accurate. We saw Apollos last week. He taught accurately the things of God. But he didn't teach them completely because he didn't know yet about the Holy Spirit. Priscilla and Aquila pulled him aside and taught him more accurately the way of God. And he found out about the Holy Spirit. But he taught what he did know accurately. Maybe you sat under teaching along the way that was accurate, but it just wasn't complete. And then others of y'all may have sat under teaching that was just absolutely whack. You know, Or maybe it's experiences that you've had, good or bad. Or even this, hearsay. I've actually talked to people, well, if somebody told me this about the Holy Spirit, somebody told me, you know what, do not, do not close your gate to the very breath of God, the helper, the comforter, the one who's just like Jesus, because of hearsay, because of what somebody else said, somebody else's experience, and what we want to do is get all those things out of the way so that we can get that gate open. And so that you can find that everything the Holy Spirit has, you do not have to be afraid. You will only be blessed and you will only be helped. Can I get an amen out of somebody here today? Uh, uh, Approach matters a lot. The approach to this, how you approach these things matters a whole lot. When I was growing up, at one point, we had three dogs. We had a St. Bernard. We had a boxer. We had a Chihuahua. No joke. So we had extra large, medium, and small. And about once a month, my mom had to give them this heartworm capsule. When I was growing up, there were no pills. There were no tablets. Everything was a capsule. Do you remember? I remember I had tonsillitis, and I had to take capsules. I think they were that big. And I couldn't swallow them, so my mom would put them between Fritos. And I'd just chew it up. Chase it down with some 7-Up. Amazingly, I still like Fritos. But my mom would take those dogs in this heartworm capsule developed by NASA. And she'd take a dog and she'd put it in a headlock, pry its mouth open. My mom had these long fingers and she'd put that capsule right between the, and she'd cram it down their throat, pull out real quick, and then Hold their snout close. Rub their nose. Because then as soon as you let go, they want to lick their nose and then they swallow. And then they're completely traumatized. And they had kind of this clock and about once a month. They'd... One day, I'm telling you the truth, I heard that St. Bernard go, "Rut, I, I did. Move ahead now. A couple of years ago, I had I had some boxers. They were brothers. They they both have passed now, and that was, that was one of the hardest things ever. And then we have a little Pomeranian, Alicia's dog. And now we give them heart. We give them heart stuff. And it, are you ready for this? It's a liver flavored tablet. Now what the dogs were getting back. You know when my mom was taking care of them, they needed that. That was good for them. They needed that. But they're getting the same thing now with a liver flavored tablet. We don't have to put any dogs in headlocks. We just go, here, puppy. And instead of being scared and scarred, it's a treat. And so instead of putting you in a headlock and going, Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? And you need him. But delivery matters. How we deliver something matters. I'm telling you, open up because to receive the Holy Spirit is a treat. Are you with me? Do y'all get that? Now. All right. Buckle in. Hold on. Because here we go. The full work of the Spirit. And we want the full work of the Spirit. Is that you're, first of all, spirit born. We've talked about this. Spirit born. You're born of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. It is the spirit of God that regenerates your spirit so that you're alive again to God, connected to Father Father God and headed, headed to heaven. Spirit born. Then you must be spirit filled. Ephesians 5.18, it's an imperative command. It's for your good. It's not just busy work. It's not punishment. But that your life would be... Filled with the Spirit. I like to put it this way. I want to have a life that the Spirit has filled. I like That works better for my mind. I want to be a life that the Spirit has filled. And then beyond that, and a very crucial next part of our journey is that we would be being led by the Spirit. Because you could be Spirit-born and Spirit-filled and still no life change, essentially because you're not allowing him to lead you. And he knows how to lead you. He knows how to show you the way. And then the whole process, the whole journey, is an ongoing process of us being spirit Formed That more and more his fruit is being seen in our life. His character, his nature is being formed in us. We're not trying to be Christians. We're not trying to be good. It's getting formed in us. It starts to come out as fruit in our life because we're born of the spirit filled. A life that the spirit has filled. We're being led by the spirit and then we're being formed by the spirit. There are four essential uh, labels we could put or coverings that we could say that the spirit does. And first of all, is that he brings power. Secondly, he brings love. Thirdly, he develops fruit. And fourthly, he gives gifts. And what I want to do this morning is to talk about gifts. And the gifts of the spirit or spiritual gifts. Now listen to me. Part of the responsibility of a pastor is to establish and maintain doctrine and order for the house so part of part of my role is i have to have clear doctrine and clear order for the house so that we know where do we stand on this what does the bible say on this and and that's something that we have to take so seriously i take this so seriously that we rightly divide the word of god and that's part of the role of of the pastor to do that And when you do that, you create a point of reference. So a message like this morning will be essentially a point of reference. It's something we can go back to. Where do we stand on that? What do we we believe about that? So I want to define some things. And again, I'm going to be teaching. So you're going to hopefully learn some things out of this. And people are just going to think you're just so smart. When we talk about gifts in the New Testament, there's over 25 gifts Uh, that are listed there are three big lists none of those lists are complete matter of fact they overlap and there's plenty to indicate to us and then obvious for us to see that there are other gifts uh, that would be available the first list is in Romans 12 and these are gifts that come from God they come from God and these are the motivational and service gifts gifts of leadership of mercy of giving of serving those kind of gifts then in Ephesians chapter 4, you have gifts that come from Jesus. And these are what are referred to as the five-fold ministry gifts. This would be apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, and this is where we'll center up today, are gifts that come from the Spirit. And there are nine of those that are listed. They're in three different categories. Power gifts, vocal gifts, revelation gifts. And so we'll, we'll break those down in just a moment. We won't be able to spend a lot of time, but I want you to see uh, how they work. The two big words concerning the gifts of the Spirit would be this. First of all, they must glorify. Everybody say glorify. glorify. Who should they glorify? They should glorify God. They do not glorify a man or woman on a platform or on a television or anywhere else. They don't glorify anybody. They glorify Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus is head of the church. And one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. So the purpose of the gifts, first of all, is to glorify Jesus. Can I get a hearty amen on that one? And if if you see gifts being used in any other way to draw attention to a person, to, to a cause or whatever else, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because it's to glorify Jesus. The second thing it is to do is to edify. Edify. Everybody say edify. Edify means to build up, to strengthen, to help, to make a difference. It's to edify people. I said it's to edify people. So the very purpose of the gifts is to glorify God and it's to help people. It's to edify people. Now, there's a word that covers all of this and, and um, let me just throw this in in case you're hungry for even a little deeper on. in what is called systematic theology we have something that is called pneumatology the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, pneuma and then anything that you add ology on the end means the study of, so this is the study of the spirit so there's biology and psychology, I'm a little more into things like lunch ology <laughs> Napology. Come on, I'm preaching now. Come on, are y'all here? Okay. So, pneuma, the spirit, and then the study of that. Well, then we get to the gifts of the spirit. And this whole series really is studying the spirit. You get to the gifts, and the Greek word for gifts, now hold tight with me here, that's where some people seize up a little bit. The Greek word for gifts is charis or charisma. And that's where. You know, some people get thrown off, but this is not a bad word. Charisma is not a bad word. Okay. And it simply means gifts. It simply means gifts. So let's, let's go a little bit further here. Um, There are two schools of thought concerning the gifts. First of all, you have what are called the cessationists. Cessationists. And they believe this, the gifts have ceased and the activity of the Holy Spirit is very minimal. One of their verses is 1 Corinthians thirteen eight, which says that uh, prophecies will fail, tongues will cease, and knowledge will vanish away, but love will last. And that's really out of context for them to take that and say that means cease, because it says that they will cease. And that's reference. Honestly, what it's saying is, if you take prophecy, tongues, and knowledge, in this context, is talking about spiritual gifts. And in essence, it's saying this, that spiritual gifts will never benefit like love will. And spiritual gifts will stop one day, but love will go on forever. So you have cessationists, and then you have another group called continuationists. That kind of speaks for itself. Continuationists. And it means this, that the gifts are still available, and the Holy Spirit is still active. I right, look at your pastor. We are continuationists. Hear me. We are continuationists. We believe that the Holy Spirit is still active. I don't even want to do this thing if he's not. I do not want to live a Christian life if the Holy Spirit is not still active. And his gifts are still available. Amen. All right. Let's plow a little further here. We are continuationists. And, and we have said that we, we believe in the gifts. So we believe this. We believe in the charis. We believe in the Charisma. So technically, look at me. Technically then, technically, stay with me. Technically then we are charismatics. Now I don't go and tell hardly anybody that. Because labels limit. And people say, you're charismatic? Well, I know another one. And I don't want to ride the same bus as that, okay? So here's the deal though. Technically though. Understand that labels limits. So that's where you've got to understand the the underpinnings of this. We are, in the technical sense, a charismatic in that we believe in the gifts. But we are not charis-addicts. And we're not charis-maniacs. And you cannot, listen to me. You cannot properly understand the Holy Spirit from a charismatic tradition alone. You have to put things in the light of the word of God. Um, you must rightly divide the word and you do not define the functions of the gifts apart from the word. And here would be, here would be the note of caution here. You don't make, manifest, you don't make doctrine out of manifestation. You don't make doctrine out of manifestation. With all that being said, y'all still with me? This is a treat. I'm not cramming anything down anybody's throat, right? All right. The gifts, we find these only discussed really in a sliver of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. There are two books to, to the Corinthians in, in the New Testament. But Paul actually wrote more books to them. He refers to them in these, in these letters. And he said, I hope it wasn't too hard on you with that last one. And he's, what he's having to do with the Corinthians, and long story short... A lot of his writings are descriptive, they're not prescriptive. He's saying this is what is going on. And then he comes back and he is corrective and he is instructive because this is too important to just let you run off and do whatever with this. So, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Paul, the first thing he says right out of the gate, he says "Is this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be misinformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to misunderstand. So church, stay with me. This is important that we don't, un- that we don't misunderstand this at all. Then he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 4, 7, and 11. I'll read these for you. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Do you see that in the Bible? They're in the Bible. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each one so we can help each other. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And let me point out to you that the operation, the manifestations, the activities of the Spirit belong to the Spirit as the Spirit wills. None of us own the gifts. He owns the gifts. So God may have, uh, you know, given you a gift to use in a moment. That does not mean that that is yours forever and that you can use that at your will. It's as he wills, as he distributes, as he, the activities are directed by him. The Greek word energio it's when he releases the energy for that to happen. Some people may have more of a tendency to be used in this way or that way and so forth, but it's all the spirits. It belongs to him. Are you with me? Do not limit the gifts to a public service. Some people think the only time you can use the gifts is when they got a crowd. I want you to know that public setting is not required. This is for your life. Amen. Yes, it's for our, our times together, but it is for your, your life. Paul's point is the manifestation of the, is of the spirit and is for the profit of all. And when we are together is to be done decently in order. There is to be no confusion and there is to be peace. Amen. That sounds to me like a treat. Amen. I said that sounds to me like a treat. And if you'll read carefully, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, love is the main deal. And Paul is very concerned. The Holy Spirit is very concerned that people don't get freaked out and messed up about the Holy Spirit. But instead, that they are helped, that Jesus is glorified, and they are edified. Now, I'm going to go through this just so, so quick. Uh, The nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. If you get our echo, how many of you know what the echo is? Okay, good. I would recommend the Echo, okay? It's just my notes, and you can get that by way of an email. You subscribe to it. It's completely free, and then you will get the notes. This would be included in my notes, this whole list here. But I'm going to go through these. Again, there are three categories. There's gifts that are power gifts, vocal gifts, revelation gifts, and there's other, other people name those different things. So let's go through them real quick here. First of all, you got Word of Wisdom. That's a revelation gift. And really that has to do with uh, solving something. Divine direction would come to you. And this can happen in your life. This can happen as you're ministering to a friend. Guess what else? This can come during times of anointed preaching. There, there are times in services during the message that a word of wisdom is actually coming. And it's telling you how to solve something. How many of you have gotten your answer before during the sermon before? It's like, oh, wow, now I know what to do. And and you felt like, I have people tell me this all the time. It felt like you were only talking to me. And I always, and I always tell them, well, I'm so glad everybody else came so you didn't feel embarrassed, you know. But. But that happens all the time. A few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I had separate from the message, a word of wisdom. And it was about, hey, there's a little mommy. It was a mix a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. That, hey, there's a mommy and you're doing this and you're feeling this. And here's what God says to do. And I had people come up to me and say, that, that was for me. That was for me. And that's a supernatural thing. That's something that, that the Holy Spirit does. If you catch me in Publix or Target or something, don't say, what do you got for me? Okay. Because that happens as, as the Spirit wills. Who knows? I might track you down in public and tell you, I got something for you. But this is not just for preachers, it's to be in your life, for you to help your family and your friends. Then a word of knowledge word of knowledge pretty much is information. You know, sometimes our counselors here, God will give them a word of knowledge about somebody. Somebody's sitting there, i got this problem in my marriage, my home, and it's, and I've never done anything wrong. And all of a sudden, the, the counselor goes, yeah, but what about? You know, and, the, and then we call that reading your mail. And the Holy Spirit would do that. But guess what? It has to do with information. Remember the woman at the well. And Jesus... I perceived this, and, and he said, and this is also what comes, up, comes into play. How many of you have lost your keys or something before, and you go, Lord, where is this thing? He will give you information about something. Uh, you know what that is? It's a word of knowledge. He knows where it's at. I said he knows where it's at. Amen. Then faith. Faith is, and this is not natural faith. It's not saving faith. This is just a surge, a boom. In your faith that sudden you believe and nothing could stop you. You just believe God in that moment and something incredible takes place. And then uh, healing. And this is also a power gift. This is what would be called divine healing. Again, it's just like it just comes on. There have been a couple of opportunities where, where I knew that was in operation when I prayed for somebody. And then something dramatic happens. And, you know, you probably have stories about that as well. The lame beggar man at the gate, beautiful, in Acts chapter 3. You know, they said, silver and gold, have we none? none but what we do have, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And boom, that was one of those boom things. It's a, it's a power gift. And then you have... Working of miracles. And this is just something that can't be done gets done. I I know a story of some missionaries uh, a few years back. probably 10, 15 years ago now. And they were in risk of their life. And they had to get out of a situation. They had a Jeep. But somebody had stole the battery out of their Jeep months and months before. But they felt divinely directed of the Lord go to the Jeep and drive the Jeep. So they got in the Jeep and cranked up the Jeep and drove away in the Jeep with no battery. That's that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Now, don't you try to do it. I don't need gas in this car. <laughs> yes, you do. Then prophecy. Prophecy is speaking forth. It's not just foretelling. Ah, next Tuesday at 4.15, Price is Right going to call you. You know, you... Now, the Holy Spirit will show us things to come, but this is more of a forthtelling. It's a speaking for God. And there are times where God will just come on you, and you're going to have something to say. You're going to speak for God to your friend, to your neighbor. It happens all the time during messages. Actually, by definition, prophecy is. It's inspired teaching and preaching. And so I've had people say, do you all ever have prophecy here? Every service every service and there are times where the things are not in the notes and all of a sudden i just feel the accelerator move by itself it's like, and and just something comes that god has that he once said and that is a thrill you know for that to happen but that's not just for preachers but i'm going to tell you that in services every service is prophetic the message is prophetic in the sense that it's inspired teaching and preaching now if I just got to hold myself up on this thing as I turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 7, then you know we're not going to get anything, okay? But it's God that would do that and God would help us and I pray that he always does. And prophecy also is, always has to be edification that it would strengthen you, exhortation that it would encourage you and that it would comfort you. And then discerning of spirits. This is not just discernment, but discerning of spirits so you could kind of tell what spirit is involved in this? So you'll be able to know someone's motives even. And that is for your protection. It's not for you to exploit anybody. It's, to, it's for your protection. Uh, Simon the sorcerer, we perceive that your motives are not right. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, we're lying. And that, and that was pointed out. And then, let's go on to this here. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Saw some of you close your gate a little bit. Hang with me here. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are both vocal gifts and they go together. And I want you to notice they go together. They go together. Tongues is an unknown language that someone would speak out and it is to speak for God. It does, however, require interpretation, not translation, interpretation. And that is that you would have God would give you the sense of the meaning of that message that you would give that out. But here's the thing that I want to point out for you for doctrine in order for this house. Tongues plus interpretation equals what? Prophecy. Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. Now, listen to me. Do not let your whole theology and opinion about the Holy Spirit revolve around tongues. Most people that I talk to that have any kind of issue without that Holy Spirit, tongues is the issue. And I want to encourage you that tongues is the least of it all. And do not let your opinion about the Holy Spirit, do not let your theology about the Holy Spirit revolve around tongues when it's actually the least of it all. You need to know that there are two kinds of tongues. The one is the public gift that would sometimes operate in a public setting where someone would stand and they would have a word in an unknown tongue. And then there must be an interpretation or that is out of order. Okay? Then the other gift of tongues, and this is the one that Paul encourages, this is the one that I encourage, is not the public gift, but it's the personal, private grace. That is your prayer language. I believe that's available. I believe, hold on, hold on. I believe that is available to every person who would say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, baptize. I believe it's available. I believe it's a benefit for everyone to have that to help you in your daily life. It is the Holy Spirit with your spirit praying together. I can't think of a better prayer partner to have in your life. And listen, and he won't make you do this in the middle of the grocery store. He's not going to weird you out. This is intimate. This is a personal grace that he would bring to you. But Paul values that greater than the public gift of tongues and interpretation. And and let me remind you again that tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. So Azusa Street was a revival. It was an outpouring of the Spirit in the early 1900s. And when that took place... There's suddenly there were people that were speaking in tongues. There was an outpouring of the spirit. Y'all staying with me. You're keeping your gate good and flexy here. Okay. And there was an outpouring of the spirit. And because a lot of them were not learned in the scriptures. Also because of persecution that w- they were having. And also because of a sense of sensationalism that was going with that. What they ended up doing historically. And you can go back and read it. Is they elevated tongues beyond what scripture intended. They elevated as a two important thing in settings, in, in, in one's spirituality. It even was said that if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't going to heaven. That is not in scripture. That is not right. And that that became the measure of your spirituality or service. So hear me on this. Tongues is not the measure of a service. Tongues is not the measure of one's spirituality. Matter of fact, Paul said that you should desire especially... Prophecy. He did not say to forbid tongues, but he said to desire rather. Everybody say rather. He said desire rather prophecy. And I'll read your verse here in just a moment. You can read later too. First Corinthians fourteen one through twelve. Read that. That'll make it clear. He said I'd rather that you prophesy. Don't forbid tongues, but I'd rather. So let's put it this way: uh, If you're going to go to Jacksonville today, you could walk, but I'd rather ride. Are you following me? That's not saying you can't do it that way, but it's saying, whoa, it's saying that it's better. It is better this way. Look with me. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 in the Amplified. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowment gifts, especially... Especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. You should desire more in a service when we come together that there be inspired preaching and teaching rather than for somebody that you may or may not know to pop up and to do something. And Paul speaks to this. With, with great labor here, he says a number of things. He said, desire rather than tongues, desire prophecy. He said, prophecy is greater than tongues. And he says, it is better. It is better. Everybody say, better. It is better that when we come together, that there are words that are spoken that are easy to understand. And it says that if we all come together and all of that is going on, it's saying there's a chance that there's somebody, some people are going to think that you're crazy. And we're not trying to be crazy. And we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. But we're trying to do what Scripture says you'd rather do. And what is better to do. And what is more efficient to do. We're going to be developing later on more and more small groups. And I think sometimes in small groups, I want the gifts to be operating in there too in different ways. And in your day-to-day life with your friends, with your family, people you're encouraging, God's going to give you things. But please understand, over over history, tongues has been elevated beyond the intent of Scripture and the Holy Spirit. It is a real gift of God. But it is rather, it is better, it is more efficient, it's more effective. As far as vocal gifts, when we come together, that there would be prophecy. And that's normally going to come through inspired teaching and preaching of God's word. Are you following me so far? Tongues are not forbidden. But prophecy is highly preferred. More efficient, more effective. And as 1 Corinthians points out, it's a greater benefit. And let me just say this. And in order to avoid confusion and to keep order... Typically, that's always going to come through leadership, you know, rather than somebody who is that. Because did you all know that sometimes we have Jesus, John, the Baptist, Moses and Isaiah try to visit our church? I'm not I'm not kidding. How many of you are thankful we have security? I mean, sometimes we have guys. Hi, I'm Isaiah and I'm here to speak today. And they go, no, you're not. But could we get you a coffee? Okay, and and so, you know, we're just we're just a little more safe this way. I digress. Let's keep going here. The Holy Spirit brings gifts. I said the Holy Spirit brings gifts. And I don't want to do life without gifts. And I don't want to do church without gifts. And those gifts are for the profit of all. They are to help all of us. And they are to glorify Jesus. And they're to edify the church. They're helpful. They're important. But love matters the most. And again, it's about glorification of God. Edification of the church. And my prayer today is that we'd be thankful for the Holy Spirit, for the gifts, for the life, for the help, for the love, for the power that he brings into our lives. And with all of that said, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a treat and a gift. And I encourage you to get that gate open. Get that gate open. Receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our church. You get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.